What's up, everybody? Welcome to another week of The Bible Boys. My name is James. And I'm Pip, and we're sitting here. We're at Moore College. We've been back now for a couple of weeks. And I must admit, James, you've come in here this morning. You, you're quite dressed up. Yes. You've got a college shirt on. Now, I'm quite dressed down, to be fair. You've All got right. a nice t-shirt on. This is, this is what I do. I come from Parramatta. I walk in. It's a long journey. It's like the wandering the wilderness yes. for 40 minutes through Parramatta, through Redfern, to Newtown. And I'm in, I, I've dressed, I've got my thongs on, my shorts, my t-shirt. But you, you've got a collared shirt, chinos. Uh, nice pants of some sort. Some, some descript. Why are, you, why are you dressed up today? Well, it's because I wanted to look good for the Bible boys, clearly. Well, that's, that's nice, but this is a radio show. <laughs> <laughs> no one can tell what I'm wearing. No, this is the real answer, mm. and I, I, I think you will resonate with this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. More College has really cold air conditioning. Yes. And what I've realized is that if I just wear a t-shirt and shorts, mm. like the weather outside would lead me to do... I get really cold. Yeah. But if I wear like a jumper, maybe a hoodie or something, I get really hot when I go outside. So this is the mid-ground. This is what I've realized is the mid-ground. Yes. Just generic long pants, whatever mm. it is. Uh, my other long pants are in the wash right now. Put a college shirt on and it predisposes me to be okay in the crazy air conditioning of all college. Mm, mm. And I look fine outside. As well, when I'm walking around. Yes. I Does mean, this make sense to this you? This makes sense. And I do agree. This, I think this is a Sydney Anglican thing. What do you mean by that? We can't get the aircon right. <laughs> the aircon is out of control. It happens at church. It That's happens right. every, every church I've ever been in. The yes. aircon, we can't get it under control. Now, you say it's the Sydney Anglican thing, but mm. it's only when the Sydney Anglican church is actually modernized to get the aircon. That's right. right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So you've got churches that don't have the aircon. Yeah, yeah. But with college, there are some rooms in particular, the KLT. Yes. It's a, one of the rooms at the top. You'd think it'd be hotter than most. No. It's the coldest. Now, I, I know that some people come to college to train to be missionaries to Spain, to, to Japan. What about like Antarctica? That. Yes, I think everyone is uh, ready to go to Antarctica <laughs> after 30 minutes in the KLT, to be honest. That's right. That's it's CMS's right. kind of little... Uh, push for us to go there. Simon Gillum is trying to subtly get us ready for all climates. Mm, mm. And um, yeah, so I, I bring a jacket in my bag. Mm. I slip that on. Yes. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. you see, I, I have a jacket as well. Mm. It's because I can never really tell what's going to happen with the aircon. Mm. And so it's a bit easier in winter where I can just wear a hoodie, well, one of my like eight hoodies or something and mm. just come in. But during summer, I, I tend to put on a shirt yep. because it just helps me with the long sleeves or terrain, I'm ready yep. to sit. Now here's, now, here's my question. What's right? your question? Now, Christianity has seen a uh, steady decline in the Western world, would you say, over the past sort of 100 years? Would you, sure. You know, let's, yes, let's in just... terms of the cultural impact and grip on let's, the, let's, the uh, populace. But at the very same time, church aircon w- should have been getting better. <laughs> I don't think they had church aircon a hundred years ago. No, but like over the last hundred years, yes. church aircon, you would have, you would have thought the church building would have been a more appealing place. Now, Pip, yesterday you were doing research methods and tools. Are you about to commit the fallacy <laughs> of the correlation for causation? I think I've just committed about twelve fallacies. <laughs> one. Not least of them being just stupidity. <laughs> So, let me get this straight. You're just, uh, as the aircon has not gotten better, mm. Christianity's impact on culture has gotten worse. Well, you think about it. Back in the day, pre-aircon, yes. the last place you'd want to be on a hot Sunday morning is in a little synagogue or a little building filled with people. <laughs> but And yet, that's, what we're, that's when the church was booming. Mm. It's, yeah, anyway. Someone should do a, this is a, uh, a project for someone to do, maybe. Well, in all seriousness, there's, um, uh, I had a chat a few years ago with one of the top dudes in Sydney who approves building projects and renovations and mm, stuff. Mm. And he said that they have a few guidelines that they push through just because uh, if you're going to spend millions of dollars on a building project, there are certain things you need to have. And one of them is air conditioning. So if, if you come with a building project, um, so um, for listeners who don't know, part of the way that Sydney Anglican churches work is that predominantly the buildings aren't actually owned by the church. The buildings are owned by the diocese. Um, and so if you do want to change it, amend it, renovate it, knock down, rebuild it, you need to get approval 
mm. from from the property trust or, or something, so the, whatever the name of it is. And so when they come with these, you know, we have this renovation plan or this or this or that, they ask, where's the aircon? If you don't have the aircon, we're not going to bother, you know, renovating this. Mm. We're not going to approve this. Another one, interestingly, is ceiling height. Okay. Now, why do you think ceiling height affects churches? Um, because people are getting taller. <laughs> <laughs> not you and me, but no, people, people. Evolutionary, uh, you know, people are getting taller, so we don't want to make them too low. <laughs> I love that as an yeah. answer. Um, it's actually because of perception. In the sense of when you're in a, so if you're in a, a in a room that houses, not houses, but can hold 300 people mm. and the ceiling is very low, by the time it's about 60, 70% full, it feels 100% full. Mm. But when you, if you're in a room with 300, that can, you know, sit 300 people, if the ceiling is a bit higher, then until it gets to 90% filled, it won't feel full. And so there's an idea of, well, when people come in, what's the perception of its fullness or lack of fullness mm. um, and ceiling height has a big big role in that I well. did the same thing at my 10th birthday party just to make it feel fuller <laughs> <laughs> you, you made sure it was a really dingy room I lowered the roof and I uh, filled it with balloons and it was just me and like one other person <laughs> uh, speaking of balloons I made a big boo-boo on the weekend oh uh, did you pop a balloon well on Saturday it was Henry's two-year-old birthday yes happy birthday henry yeah yeah oh it was it was a lovely lovely day and henry you know enjoyed the day uh, had a lot of fun but so in the morning i had um blown up a two-year-old balloon i'm showing pip a picture right now oh, okay yes it's a big number two we yeah. got from kmart a nice balloon henry was delighted he loved playing with this balloon mm. you know what's that you know he loves asking what's that is it an ups upside down five <laughs> uh no <laughs> okay turned it upside down listeners and uh, no. it's not a five okay so what was it could it? be a greek letter though yeah it? it could be what what's the issue with this well i blew it up really you know nice and big and it was great he enjoyed it what i forgot is that it was a very hot day outside ah. so we put it in the car we get to the park we bring the balloon out here's the thing though in hotter weather the volume of gas increases. And I forgot this. Mm. I'm a former chemistry, physics, maths mm. teacher. Classic, and I classic mistake. So we get to the park. We get the balloon out. Mm. I give it to one of the, the park you know, attendees, one of the, the people attending Henry's party. And as soon as I give it to him, it pops. Oh. And he's mortified because oh. he goes, I'm so sorry. I've ruined the birthday party. And I said, no, 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 no. It's because it's really hot. And he did. He thought I was being nice. Yeah, and so. then he got out the the chemistry textbook <laughs> and he showed him. No, Henry, don't you understand <laughs> the expansion of gases in hotter climates? V equals NRT. Anyway, um, he's like, I'm so sorry. And I had to go back to him later and be like, No, 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 I wasn't just being nice. The balloon was really, really big, and because it's so hot, mm. the gas expanded. Mm. And so, yes, I popped a balloon yeah. accidentally oh. on oh. the weekend. Anyway, we're here. We're the Bible Boys. <laughs> Pip, we're back. We're back. This is what people listen for. This is it. And premium Bible content. 100%. What's your week been like so far here at college? Three days in. How you going? Yeah, yeah. It's been good. Look, um, so yesterday, yesterday we had M&M, Ministry and Mission. Mm. And we're thinking about leadership. And uh, Archie, Archie, uh, our lecturer, gave us a very interesting question. He asked us, what are the key things that you'll need in leadership when you leave college 2025 mm. or graduate 2025? And then he said, what are some of the qualities that you might need in leadership in 2040? Mm. And this had nothing to do with the Bible. <laughs> uh, something to do with the Bible. No, but we did, he, did, he did bring you back to some biblical uh, concepts, which is good. And so, yes, um, you know, one of the, some of the characteristics that endure, humility, mm. gospel conviction, uh, an openness to new ideas, uh, generosity, charity. Mm. Those sorts of things. So that was good. That was good. Um, yesterday we did a uh, research seminar mm. in the library. And I thought it was... because Okay, so they got all, all the people in fourth year who were doing a project, which is like a bigger research piece. Yeah, and you're year. one of them. I'm one of them. One of 12 mm -hmm. um, out of 60. So that's, you know, pretty good. That, I think that's more than most years. You know, we get like 
12 into 60 is that's 20 percent is that yes yeah you still have 60 people in your year and that number might be wrong (laughs) (laughs) a number of people 12 people a number of people uh we got we have the biggest numbers yeah sure just (laughs) biggest numbers we have the best numbers um yeah and it was interesting we did a research seminar how to write a big research piece i thought this is stuff that we, we, it would have been good to know this in first year. <laughs> <laughs> You've got 30 years and you didn't know how to write. How to research. research. Yes. How to research. Yes. And how to, how to come up with, you know, a sustained argument and some of the, the fallacies and academic writing and things like that. Yep. So that was, that was really good. That was really good. And, um, can I, so have I talked, did I talk last week about my project idea at all? We've talked, year? uh, oh, good question. I don't remember anymore. Who knows what we've said on the pod, really? Um, uh, but please share again. So, I've submitted a proposal, which was about like a hundred words, just the gist of it. And so what I'm hoping to study, look at this year is Paul's view of hell. Mm. Because it was very interesting to me last year, we were looking at Paul on theology, that Paul doesn't mention hell in the same sort of terms as Jesus mm. does. The same, the same Greek words. Yes. Mm. So Jesus uses some place names like Gehenna, Hades. Paul doesn't seem to use those words, mm. as far as I can tell, unless my software's letting me down. Um, <laughs> he uses, he doesn't mention hell as a place, more of a, an experience of mm. divine judgment, wrath. And so I want to investigate that because I think a lot of uh, skeptical scholars, and when I say skeptical, I mean skeptical about the authority of the Bible or the. Um, alignment between Paul and Jesus might say that Paul and Jesus weren't on the same page on this topic of hell. Mm. And I want to argue, well, I want to, I want to see, are they on the same page? And I want to, you know, my hypothesis is, is that just because you use different vocabulary, different pictures to explain something mm. doesn't mean you're not aligned mm. on that topic. Mm. And so if that's a fallacy, I would call it, you know, a, uh, hetero nominative or hetero sort of vo- vocabulary. So other, just because you're using different or other vocabulary yeah. doesn't mean you're not on the same mm. page. Well, to, to, to borrow a, 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 a bit of a, a sick burn phrase from Michael Bird, it's like, uh, it's, it's uh, uh, the fallacy of the theology of the concordance. Ah, yes. So okay. when you just do a word search and go, oh, well, Paul doesn't use these words, therefore he doesn't have this theology. Yeah. Or, or this person uses these words, therefore they must have this theology. Yeah. It's like, that's not how you do theology. Yeah, but it, look, it raises, it raises an interesting question for us evangelicals, for any, any you know, gospel, someone who's on about the gospel, which is, I think, you know, we want to be clear about heaven and hell and about eternal realities. Mm. Um, and so we want to look at how the examples of the apostles, the examples of the disciples and how they talk about heaven and hell. And so for Paul not to use the same language as Jesus is significant. Mm. Can't get around that. But it is significant. We don't want to get around that. We want to think about it. What does that mean for our approach to how we use language in mm. communicating these things? Um, so, yeah, no, that's uh, looking forward to that. So that's, that's cool. that was kind of, you know, thinking about that a bit yesterday and how I might approach that topic. In terms of a methodology, mm. I'm still not totally sure the right way to uh, tackle it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, can I ask? So, you've got your question, but for you, uh, you're in your last year of more college. You're seeking to grow in your abilities as a, as a, as a handler of God's word, teacher of God's people, pastor of the flock. What do you hope this research project for you would help you develop in? Yes, yeah, and I, I you know. I, I was kind of thinking, why? So, what's the kind of logic behind doing something quite niche? And I think actually, you know, leaving college, I want to have a pretty good understanding of the Bible. Mm. That's that's basically the main outcome. That would help. Yeah, a good understanding of the Bible, and you can say, okay, well, what does that mean? Is that a good understanding of like being able to give a good summary of each book of the Bible? Or is that being able to explain the the storyline of the Bible or the major themes? or the major kind of scholarly issues. And I think by picking something quite niche and trying to do it really well and go deep into something niche, it kind of forces you to do the other things as well. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So 
in order to understand this topic, and you know, it's not the only thing I'm doing this year. I'm looking at atonement, I'm looking at Zachariah and Old Testament, doing these other things. In order to do those kind of niche things well, you kind of need to take some steps back and then work your way in. And so, as I this year, I want to do both. I want to go deep into this topic, but along the way, I want to kind of step back and say, what does the New Testament say about eschatology in general? Mm. The theology of the last thing. Yeah. And then, you know, take a step back. What does the New Testament say mm. in broad strokes? What's it on about? And yes. take a step back. What, what's the Old Testament saying in broad strokes? And so yes. I think like, the uh, you know, accumulating the biblical study skills and the um, kind of Christian thinking skills over the years, I think has helped, helped me maybe to get to a point now where I'm um, somewhat confident, although not, not, not entirely confident, but somewhat confident to... Uh, do those steps of mm. looking at something, taking a step back and trying to get a sense of the whole. Um, yeah, because it's like any topic, the more you know, the more you realise what you don't know. Mm. Same in biblical studies as in, as in anything. Yeah. I think. Uh, what about you, James? So your week so far has consisted of... I've done some New Testament classes, some Hebrew classes and an Old Testament class as well. Did I say that? No, I said New Testament before. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, it's been great. Um, just a light ease in, um, thinking a bit about the pastoral. So this year we'll be looking at the pastoral epistles, as they're known. But what does that mean? That's a technical term. Mm. Uh, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. Yeah. But in particular, we'll focus on 1 Timothy and Titus. And they're called the pastorals because... Uh, because they're about, uh, you know, the making of pasta for the Italian culture, you know, and how you feed people. No, they're called the pastorals because they're about, uh, they're typically seen as uh, Paul's instructions to Timothy and Titus about pastoral ministry, yeah. about ministry that seeks to love God's flock, God's sheep, um, as leaders. Uh, as a title, it might be a bit misleading because there's actually a lot more going on in those yes, books. Yep. And there's also less going on when it comes to pastoral ministry than you might like. Mm. Um, so in recent times, people are less inclined to call them the pastorals. Mm. Um, but that's what we're looking at in New Testament. Yeah, nice. Uh, in Hebrew, uh, right now we're thinking about Hebrew poetry and how it is that you can uh, use the Hebrew language to analyze and look at poetry. Uh, just as a quick comment, um, I was encouraged once again that Bible reading, like, you know, when uh, you're in church and someone reads from a lectionary Bible readings or they're just reading the Bible reading before a sermon, mm. that it should not be dry, um, mm. that it is a right and appropriate to interpret the Bible reading and to read with emotion that is appropriate to the passage. Mm, don't overdo it. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's a living thing. And, and what it, I think it would jolt people. I think in a different context, like, you know, mm. we probably disagree on this partially because of our natural personalities. Yeah, 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 yes. But I feel like in our culture, if you got up and just started belting out a psalm, mm. it would both shock some people because they're like, are you allowed to do that? And it would excite some people to go, oh, that's what that psalm's about. Mm, Whereas mm. in another context where people go, yeah, of course, everyone's always interpreting it. I feel like dialing it down would be the right thing yeah, yeah, to yeah. subvert that expectation. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, that's if, just a side If thing. you did that every week, by the 40th week of someone getting up and, being, and, and raising the decibels by 10, you know, you'd be like, all right, here we go again. <laughs> well, I mean, if it's appropriate to the passage, you know, yeah, I, I yeah. think, yeah. If it's just loud for the sake of loud, then you're not actually interpreting the passage. Yeah. You can imagine reading Lamentations, right? If you're reading Lamentations and you're being loud and gusto-ish, you don't understand what you're reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I, think that's, I think that's key. Appropriate yeah. to the yes. passage itself. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway. And then in... And, oh, yes, uh, go. I was going to say, you did textual criticism last week, right? Yes, on Friday. Yes, yeah. Yes. Any big sort of takeaways from that? Oh, yes, that's right. We mentioned this, didn't we? Uh, so for listeners who maybe don't remember, textual criticism is when you think about, okay, so uh, given what we have in the text of the New Testament or the Old Testament, what manuscripts have informed this, how do we think about what the text of the uh, original transmission might have been, is there a text of original transmission, or that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so we looked at the New Testament one on Friday, New Testament textual criticism. It was great, it was a fun day, it wasn't as dry as I thought it would be. Uh, my trust in the reliability of the New Testament text has, has increased, 
Um, I have more questions about the Old Testament text, mm. which is what we'll spend a few weeks doing at college in term one. Mm. Um, but I think that's it's the the course is designed this way. Uh, the questions on the New Testament text of transmission are uh, complex, but more simple to to talk about, and we did that in one day. The questions about Old Testament text and transmission are a bit more complicated. We're going to spend six weeks on it at college. Yeah, yeah, different kinds of complexity. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, we have a question that I got sent through. Let's oh, do okay. this, and then we'll get into our spot. Sounds good. For today. What's the question? Now, I don't know whether to take this question seriously or not seriously, but okay. Pip, you're going to be thinking about eschatology. You're thinking a bit about, you know, what uh, Paul and Jesus talked about in terms of the future, mm. final judgment. Mm. Here's a question uh, that got sent in. Question for the Bible boys. Do you share heaven bucks with your earthly spouse? If not, is there a just and equitable division of heavenly assets? Oh, okay, yes. Now, I think this is a joke question. Yes. But there might be a real answer to it. Mm. Do you share heaven bucks with your earthly spouse? If not, is there is there a just and equitable division of heavenly assets? So there's a few questions here, isn't there? How do you understand this question? So one question is about the nature of uh, marriage in heaven. Jesus says you will not be... Uh, Given, what's he saying? You won't be given, nor will you be <laughs> given away. You'll be given and taken in marriage. Yes. You'll be like the angels. You'll be like the angels. Angels don't marry. <laughs> as far as we know. Apparently. Yeah. We can, de- what's that logical thing? You deduct <laughs> that, fr- you deduce that from what Jesus is saying. Angels don't get married. Well, deduce would be the wrong thing there. So it would be abduction here. And you know why angels don't get married? Why don't get them? Ma- why don't they get married? It's because it, it'd be too annoying. You know, you'd be you'd, they'd go on a date or something, and then one would just sort of slip away through a wall or something. <laughs> like where'd they go? Yeah, hey, hey, we're having a conversation here. <laughs> I can see you're giving this uh, unusual question the appropriate. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And the other question is, what's the economy of heaven like? Mm. Are we going to work? Is there going to be money? Are we going to be able to trade money for goods and services? Mm. Um, and I think it'll be more like a Willy Wonka factory sort of thing <laughs> where, no, 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 you've got the ticket, you're in. You're not bartering for the chocolate. It's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> when you're in chocolate land, if you're hungry, just eat the grass. Mm. Yeah, mm. Like, the, like the lion eating the grass. So, yeah. so I think, okay, no, you won't have uh, equal divide of assets because you won't have money, you won't have money and um, you won't be married. So no money, no marriage. So what, what is there to do? There you go. That's another question for another day. Well, I think we've given this question enough time. Yeah. Let's get into the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Sounds How's good. That sound? Now, you're going to talk to us about a very uh, important topic. Yes. A topic that we should all wrap our heads around. Yes. And yet we never will to the full extent. Well, this is interesting because it depends on what you think the topic actually is. I think the topic that we're talking about is wisdom. Mm. Now, what is wisdom? That's another question. But you're, you're going to talk to us about wisdom. Well, I'm going to talk about what is wisdom. What is wisdom? Okay. Yes. So take it away. I'm, wi- I'm ready to have my mind blown. <laughs> well, to start off with, let me ask you. If, if someone said, oh, Pip's a wise man or that you know, lady is a wise woman, what do you think most people in our circles would associate with that description of wise, you know? Um, I think wise is knowing what to do, mm-hmm. when to do it, is, being, is, is making good decisions, mm-hmm. yeah, in life generally. Mm. Yeah, that's what I see wisdom as. I think knowledge is like knowing stuff, understanding stuff. Wisdom is more about practice, mm. right? knowing what to do and then doing it. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you. That's, that's really helpful. That's what I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think there's a lot of wisdom to what you're saying if that's the right term hello um here are a few things that people could think about with wisdom so wisdom could be uh insight sort of a a a secret knowledge that someone has in terms of uh what to do what not to do how the world works uh what's going to happen uh so so some kind of insight a wisdom could be uh knowing uh, just a bit more than the people around you. So not just secret knowledge, but just more knowledge mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, than those around you. 
Uh, wisdom could be a, a kind of moral quality, so someone who just is a bit more righteous than those around them, okay. a bit more goody two shoes maybe, sure, uh, about uh, than those around them. Well, what is wisdom? How does the Bible talk about it? Now, today we can only skate over the surface. I want to look at a few passages. I want to make a few observations, and I'm going to land this with some practical outcomes.、Mm. Does that sound good? That sounds great. All right. So, come with me to、uh, Job chapter twelve, verse twelve. I just want to read one verse here,、um, and uh, uh, actually, tell you what. Can you read verses twelve to thirteen? Job chapter twelve, verses twelve to thirteen. Yep. It says, "Wisdom is with the aged, and understanding in length of days. With God are wisdom and might. He has counsel and understanding."、Mm. So we've got. Was that appropriately read with enough gusto? <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because uh, this uh, is uh, Job replying、uh, in Job chapter two, so maybe it should have been a bit more like bitter. Oh, oh, oh! Okay. So yeah, give that a go. Give it a go. Wisdom is with the aged. Okay. <laughs> Are you George Costanza? Yeah. Understanding in length of days. With God, a wisdom and might. He he has counsel. And understanding. All right, great. Let's get. Let's focus on the passage. Okay.、Um, two things here. One is notice how、uh, there is an association with age、uh, that we get in verse twelve. Wisdom is with the aged. Understanding in length of days. So there is this connotation that Job makes between、um, age and, and length of days or, or seniority and possessing wisdom. But also notice that there's a distinction between wisdom and understanding. They're two different words here,、mm-hmm. and that's reflected in the original language as well.、Mm. So we have wisdom and understanding being associated with with age. We also have wisdom and understanding being distinguished. But thirdly, verse thirteen, we notice that God is the one who has wisdom and might and counsel and understanding. Now, this is、uh, these two verses. If you put them alongside each other, one way you could read it is to say, "Well, there's no difference between old people and God." But as we keep reading, what we'll see is that no, God doesn't just have wisdom. God is the possessor of wisdom par excellence.、Mm. He is the ultimate、um, possessor of wisdom. In fact, God is also the maker of wisdom、mm. as well, as we'll keep seeing. So let's just hold that plank there. Any observations before we keep going? Um, yeah, it's interesting. They say wisdom is with the age because I think in our culture, you know, there's lots of、uh, what we might call, you know, wonderkins or whatever.、Mm. You know, people who、uh, do very well at a very young age,、mm. and with,、uh, you know, the, the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world are、yeah. they are they wise? Yeah, that's、um, interesting. So that's a question.、Um, yeah, and there are lots of old people.、Mm. Who don't seem very wise at all. Yes. So what's the deal with that? What's the deal with that? Yeah, that's a really helpful question. Thank、yeah. you. Let's park that. Yeah, We yeah. will come back to that. Okay, okay. I plan to. Now let's go to Proverbs chapter one. Proverbs chapter one. Can you please read verses one to seven? And it's okay if you just read it without that much gusto. Okay. It's up to you.、Good. You、sounds、choose.、Good. All right. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction.、Hmm. I'm curious for you, Pip, as you as you read that. Are there particular things that stand out to you? Yeah, it seems like wisdom involves willing to receive instruction and、mm. willing to to get it.、Mm. There needs to be a an openness to it、mm. in order to get it. Um, and then, yeah, verse seven: the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. What is the fear of the Lord? That's the big question, right?、Mm. What is the fear of the Lord? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And let me just address that now. I, I interpret fear of the Lord to be a right respect, honor, and in some senses a fear of of God.、Um, that is appropriate to 
the holy one of the universe. Mm. It's, it's actually having a right attitude and orientation and heart towards God. And Proverbs 1 verse 7 says that relationship is the beginning of knowledge, mm. not the totality of knowledge, it's the beginning of knowledge. Yeah, a, a reverence or an awe, yes. or not, not, not a flippant approach, oh, you know, whatever, God. Yeah, whatever. that's right, that's yeah. right. What's interesting is that this line of the fear of the Lord being the beginning of something is also, it also comes up again later on in Proverbs. So come to the Proverbs chapter 9. Can you please read verses uh, 10 to 12? Okay, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, and you are wise for yourself, Oh, if you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. Mm. So um, we see this line in verse 10 sort of uh, echoing what we saw in chapter 1, verse 7, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge in verse 7 of chapter 1. But here in verse 10 of chapter 9, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, mm. and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Mm. Um, once again, we see that this right relationship with God leads to knowledge this right relationship with God leads to this thing we call wisdom. Mm. All right, so we've, we've put a few planks in place. Now, there's two key chapters I want to look at now, or just hunker down and, and draw some synthesis together. Yep. First one is chapter 4. So come with me to Proverbs chapter 4, please. Okay. <clears throat> All right, let me see here. Proverbs chapter 4. I want to go from verses 5 to 5 to 12. Is that okay? Yep. Proverbs 4, 5 to 12. Okay. It says, Get wisdom, get insight. Don't forget and don't turn away from the words of my mouth. Don't forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get inside. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She'll bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I've taught you the way of wisdom. I've led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble. Mm. All right, here we go. So here's where we're going to say some some big synthesis stuff about wisdom. Um, first of all, verse 5, notice how it says get wisdom. Yeah. Now, this is important because the, the logic of uh, Job, Proverbs, and, and so on is that wisdom is not something inherent in a person be they moral, be they immoral. Wisdom is actually a quality. Wisdom is something to get okay. external to yourself. Okay. Now, this is important because it pushes against the notion of wisdom as some kind of uh, inherent personality or inherent insight mm. or inherent, shall we say, uh, attribute. Mm. You know, sometimes people go, oh, you know, um, that person seems like a really wise person. Oh, why do you say that? I don't know. They just, they've got that look about them, yeah. you know? A vibe. They've got a vibe, yeah, or, yeah. or they just say really good things. Yeah. There's there's an association there with wisdom and personality, or wisdom with internal quality, or wisdom with attribute. Mm. But that's not the way that the Bible thinks about wisdom. Mm -hmm. The way the Bible thinks about wisdom is that it is something to get outside of yourself. It is something that comes from outside of you. It's also something that you need to that that you can have or not have. But the picture is made more complicated by verse 7. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. That even though wisdom is something that you can get, wisdom is something that you can begin on a path of. Mm. Wisdom is something that you can begin on a journey of. Wisdom is something that you can, dare I say, grow in as well. Mm. Mm. So this also pushes against the idea of uh, wisdom as some sort of secret knowledge or mm. insight because wisdom as secret knowledge or insight there might be a fixed body to that um, there might be a fixed set of information to that so uh, you know in the new testament uh, this is a this is a negative example in the sense that this is uh, uh, showing you the right way of thinking about it the gospel is called the mystery of god why is it called the mystery of god 
It's not called the mystery of God because you can't talk about it or we don't know about it. It's because it's something that is this sort of hidden knowledge that is now made known. Mm. For ages past, God had this grand plan to include the Gentiles as his covenant people uh, along with the Jews. This has now been made manifest, as Paul says in Ephesians 3, uh, through Jesus Christ. And so the mystery is a fixed body of formerly secret knowledge, but that has now become made known mm-hmm. uh, through Jesus Christ. And so if, if this mystery, um, sorry, this mystery is a fixed set of secret knowledge. But when we talk about wisdom, though, no, it's, it's not a fixed set. It's, not some, it's something you can begin on. It's something you can keep growing in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are you with me so far? I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. I, I you know, the, the, I think verse seven is pretty funny. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Mm. Yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, you know, when we, someone tries to teach you maths and yes. they're, getting, they're getting frustrated. All right, look, the, the, beginning, the beginning of maths is this, right? <laughs> just, you got to get it. Yes. Right? Got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. Well, the what... I keep like teasing it forward, right? We're almost there. Yeah. But my, uh, my, what I think wisdom is mm. um, will account for that as well. Okay. All right. So come with me now to verse 11, which you read before. It said, I have taught you. So this is a father speaking to a son. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. Now, this is very interesting. These two lines are an insight into what I think is going on in the rest of Proverbs. Mm. You've got these two lines in parallel, okay? What I think is going on here is that these lines are actually two different ways of saying the same thing. The father says, I have taught you the way of wisdom. Mm. And then the second line says, I have led you in the paths of uprightness. Yes. Now, here we go. This is what I think is going on here. I think that wisdom... And the way of wisdom is synonymous with walking in right paths. I'll say that again. Yeah. I think wisdom and the way of wisdom is synonymous with walking in right paths. Okay, yeah. Verse 12 adds to this because after uh, the, the, the father has just said this in verse 11, verse 12, when you walk, okay, when, when you are acting, when you are living, when you are walking, your step will not be hampered and if you run, you will not stumble. Yes. Now, here's what I think um, wisdom is. I think wisdom, according to the Bible, is right action or right practical action that works. Mm. Very simple definition. I think wisdom, according to the Bible, is right practical action that works works okay not too dissimilar from what i said at the beginning about no. knowing to do the right thing yes you know knowing the right thing to do when to do it that sort of thing yeah that's right yeah. that's right in fact when you said it i was like all right well that's the spot right I there i called it <laughs> i called it well hey as someone who's been in uh, bible college for three years going into fourth year i'm kind of glad that you, you we were reading On from the, the same, same bible yeah, right? that's good that's but good. but can you see how i'm drawing this yes out, yes right? yes so let me just connect this with some of the things we've seen so far right Right practical action that works. Why is it that the that this is something you can get? Well, when you're young, you actually haven't done a lot. Mm. When you're smaller or less experienced, you haven't done a lot. And so you don't really know what works because you haven't done what works yet. Mm. That's why listening to instruction, listening to fathers and mothers, listening to older people is considered wise. The listening right is an action that works but it can also be something that leads to more wisdom more Mm. practical action that works so the beginning of wisdom get wisdom and to keep growing in wisdom right Uh, 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 get wisdom keep going it's something that you get as you keep uh, growing in right practical action that works Mm. this is also why older people tend to be associated in the bible with wisdom because they've lived longer they've seen what works they've seen what doesn't work Mm. Mm. But crucially, not everyone who's older is wise because not everyone who's older has actually learned about what works. Yeah, so, you know, you think of Mark Zuckerberg, yes. right? He got lucky with Facebook. Yes. Does that mean he's wise? Well, he tried the metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't realize that's not what people want. Mm. Yes. Not wise. No, not necessarily, yes. He hasn't lived long, but now that he's lived through that, 
he's maybe wiser to know that the metaverse, it's probably not going to happen for a while. <laughs> but he's still trying. He's still trying. Give him a bit, give him a bit more time. Okay, I'll see. I mean, I hope it doesn't work, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, it could be fun. Could be um, fun. But um, yes, yes, yes. Okay, okay. So we're starting to get that distinction about... Yes. It's, it's doing... Uh, what works, and I like how it puts it in the in the proverbs. It's 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 um, something that w- wisdom is uh, allows you not to stumble, mm. not to be hampered. Yes, to get done what you want to get done. Yes, which raises the question, you know, for the Christian, what what is that, and so yes. what is wisdom for the Christian? Yes, you know, well, because, exactly because I guess like different different people have different destination. Like, you know, if your goal in life is to get rich mm. or famous. There are things that you can do yes. to get there and not stumble on that path. Mm. And those things will be quite different to if your destination is something else. Anyway. No, that's right. Yeah. That's really helpful. Yeah. Um, what you've actually brought up is, as a, as a strict definition, you might go, well, what's explicitly Christian about that? You know, couldn't, couldn't my non-Christian friend or family member or lecturer at uni, teacher, uh, old sage, whatever agree that okay like i have practical knowledge of what works mm. you know or reason and an action that works yeah well this is where what makes it christian is three things number one is the source number two is the picture mm. of uh, of what works yeah number three is the kinds of action that we are given to right so let me talk about that yeah so the source See, there's a reason why the beginning of wisdom and the beginning of knowledge is the fear of God, Mm. the fear of the Lord. It's because what is right and what is going to work is actually determined by how God has made the world. Mm. You see, this is why Proverbs is working really hard to to give us these insights into don't walk down that path. It doesn't work Mm. because of this reason. It doesn't honor God. It's not how God made the world. It's not how creation works, you know? The ants do this. Mm. The, these creatures do this. These creatures do this. If you act this way, you're not actually acknowledging God is creator, God is ruler, the world God has made. And so the right relationship with God, having that right relationship is the source. It's the beginning. Mm. It's the orienting influence and power that determines right action. Yep. And yep. right behavior. Yep. So the source is what's different. But then also the big picture is what's different. You see, when we talk about what works, there's a few ways you can talk about that. So in um, pragmatism, the American philosophy, pragmatism, what works is often defined in terms of the initial benefit or the immediate benefit. You can think about companies going, well, what's going to help my stock price? That's the that's the thing that works. Mm. If, if it... Mm. If it uh, raises the stock price, it's working. If it lowers the stock price, it's not working. Yeah. But Proverbs encourages us to, and the Bible encourages us to see a bigger picture of what works and what doesn't work in terms of ultimate life, uh, death, judgment, and uh, what's going to be affecting future generations as well. Mm. You know, the wise man stores up an inheritance for his children. Mm. Saving may not seem like a very wise thing. Uh, when you are thinking about how you can enjoy your life now, but actually thinking about the bigger picture, seeing it as something that you can give to future generations, Proverbs wants us to look that far, for example. Mm. So the bigger picture and redefining what works is also what makes it Christian. Yep. Um, but then also the kinds of action that we are disposed to. You see, um, not getting drunk may not sound very wise especially if you think about it socially uh if you think about what works with your friends family maybe foregoing a drink could be seen as ostracizing you Mm. it's seen as oh, what you think you're better than us it could be seen as something that marks you out as different and not good but the kinds of action that we're given to are the sorts of things that proverbs says are wise uh, because it is good action that works it is practical action that works stemming from the source, which is our relationship with God, as well as the big picture of, of seeing things uh, beyond the immediacy. Mm. Mm. All right. Um, before we go to Proverbs 8, and then I, I want to make sure we land this in Christianly in Jesus and what the New Testament actually has to say about wisdom as well. Are we going to have time for that, Jess? <laughs> uh, do we have time for that? Look, 
Probably not. Let's see how much I can do in eight okay. minutes. Sounds good. Sounds eight good. minutes, right? Sounds good. Uh, do you have any quick thoughts about about that? Well, I was just going to say, like, it, it reminds me a lot of Two Peter. Like, we looked at Two Peter a mm. bit last year, and there's this verse, you know, talk, talks about like adding, growing in the faith, and then Two Peter one ten says, "If you do these things, you will never stumble." Mm. And so it's like, you know, this. If your destination is, um, you know, Two Peter one eleven receiving entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Mm. On that journey, if you never, if you don't want to stumble, keep growing as a Christian. Keep yes. adding to your faith these qualities. Yes. That's like two Peter's version of wisdom, perhaps. Mm. Yeah. No, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yes, I, I think that's right. Uh, under this definition of wisdom, it would be predis- like, like that list in 2 Peter 1 seems to be yeah. um, given to this kind of thing. Yeah, these are the right things to do in your life. If this is your goal, yeah, yep, yeah. Yep. Well, I'll tell you what, then, because of time, let me just make a few comments, and let's let's jump to Jesus. Sure, sure, sure. Because uh, we love Jesus. Yeah. Um, one of the things I haven't been able to look at uh, in the time we have here is that um, the Bible gives us a very rich picture of of wisdom. You see, one way you can think about this is this: the Book of Proverbs uh, is uh, live wisely. And things will tend to go right for you. Mm. Ecclesiastes is, uh, uh, sorry, Job is live wisely, and things won't always go right for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ecclesiastes is live wisely, um, but living wisely um, can seem very fruitless and vain and futile in mm. the world we have. Mm. Um, just even those three books. I mean, I could keep going and thinking about, you know, Lamentation, Song of Songs, and the, the picture in the Psalms as well. But wisdom, like what works, right action that is disposed to what works, it, it's not clear. Because mm. <laughs> what might work mm. in one situation may not be what works in another situation. And what is uh, going to be helpful in this situation may not be what is helpful in that situation. Yep. That's why wisdom is not the same thing as a set of commands. Uh, even though commands and, and living righteously is often the best way. In, in fact, might, might I say is almost always mm. uh, the best way, if not always the best way yep. to, 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 to uh, do the right thing. Sometimes there are things that are that are unusual, right? Mm. So you think about those proverbs like answer a fool according to his foolishness mm. or don't answer a fool according to their foolishness. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. if you take, the, take those as absolute commands, which one is it? Yeah. They put alongside each other I can't remember which chapter now. Is it? No, I don't. I don't remember. Proverbs but, eighteen or something. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. But you put them alongside each other, and it seems. Wait, how does it work? How how is this wisdom? Mm. Right. The reason it's wisdom is because sometimes this will be the right thing to do. Sometimes this will be the right thing to do, and a judgment needs to be made there um, that is not necessarily clear for us. But it is a path. It is a path that we are called to walk on and to get and to keep growing in of right action. Now, when we come to the New Testament, coming to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 uh, to 31, I'll read this, mm-hmm. um, talking about uh, God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Mm. If you want to know what right action is in terms of source, if you want to know what right action is in terms of getting the, the big picture, if you want to know what right action, what works is in terms of the types of things we should do, all of them are found in Christ Jesus. Mm. Relationship with Jesus orients us to see the big picture and towards certain kinds of actions, namely life in the spirit and love for your neighbor mm. that are what is right, that are what will work, that are big picture what will keep us from stumbling in this life and on the day of judgment. Mm. You see, stumbling itself is also something that needs to be reconfigured. Did Job have to stumble in terms of like letting go of his faith in God when his family you know, died? No. In fact, part of the book of Job is showing that despite his doubts, despite his frustrations and and anger Mm. um job says the book of job says in all this he did not sin Mm. that's interesting yeah yeah Uh, i know job is very uh, quite a complex book and there's a lot going on there but 
the picture we're given is this idea that God has called us to walk a path, a path that he has created, a path that he possesses and is always disposed to right action. God never does the wrong thing. God mm-hmm. always does the right thing. God always works in terms of what he chooses to do. Um, we are called to walk that path in faith and fellowship with Jesus. Not everything we do in wisdom will always uh, turn out in our favor mm. uh, in the short term. Yeah. But big picture, it always will. Yeah. Uh, and it is the path we're called to walk on. Yeah, and I think that there is a, a difficulty with the New Testament wisdom, mm. which is it looks so unwise. Mm. It looks so foolish to the world to put your trust in someone who was crucified and uh, reportedly came back to life mm. to live for him and to seek his will and his name to be lifted up that is a strange thing to do in the eyes of the world. Yes. But because of the reality of the resurrection, mm. it is the wisest thing you can do with your life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, uh, we do need to finish up. Mm. we got chaplaincy group to go to. Yeah. Can I just make two observations in terms of practical landing? Sure. Number one, I think this means for us that often what is right is really ambiguous. You know, when you're in a difficult situation with a friend, or family, or you're leading a, a ministry at church, uh, you know, you're a children's ministry leader, you're a youth group leader, you're someone who's trying to work out what's the best thing to do with our tech team, our music team, often the right action is not clear. Mm. Um, the right path to walk is not always clear. Uh, that's why I think we need to, have, like, this picture of wisdom doesn't mean we need to go to the guru who always knows the right things that they think but has never done anything themselves. Mm. I think this should give us a degree of humility and grace and say, let's try something. Let's, like, like, let's, let's take counsel. Let's take insight. Let's listen to those around us. But let's try something and see if it works in our situation and context. Mm. It also gives us grace to, to take people's advice with a grain of salt. To say, look, just because that worked for you there doesn't necessarily mean that's going to work for us here. Mm, you know, people mm. want to sell, uh, you know, church growth strategies. They want to sell, um, you know, this is the evangelism uh, method that, that saved hundreds here. You should do it too. We should listen to that because it worked mm, mm. in some way, shape or form there. Yeah. But we should take it with a grain of salt yeah. as well. The last thing I just want to say, so that was the first. Secondly is I think this picture of wisdom actually shows us that the task of living in God's world um, is uh, something that we should do in community. We should do this by listening to others. We should do this by sharing with others. We should do this um, in order to, 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 to learn from those who are above us. In other words, what I think this picture of wisdom gives us is we should be better listeners. Mm-hmm. We should be better listeners and recognize that God gives practical insights, you know, right action, has, has walked and, and led people beyond us. Mm, and mm. so we should be good listeners. Yeah. Seek to learn from those around us. Find someone with gray hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, those are some thoughts. Pip, That's we've good. run out of time. Hope that was helpful. That was helpful. Thank you, James, for helping us to understand wisdom better, um, particularly what it means to understand wisdom as Christians and how to apply some of those principles to our own lives. That's really helpful. Um, but yes, we do need to finish up. And so, James, do you want to sign us out this week? I'll like sign us last out. Week? Friends, thank you for coming back to the Bible Boys. Let us know what you think on Bible underscore boys, our Instagram handle, or you can email us at the Bible Boys with a Z at gmail.com. Friends, welcome back. Share us with your friends, family. We'll see you next week for another episode of The Bible Boys. Bye.